The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. the chat, pour a hot cup of Rosie, and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Jeff Maciolik, here to announce show number 124 with guests Richard Costell and Andy Brown, recorded live Friday, July 29, 2005. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering hands-on VBNet and ASP.NET classes remotely, online at www.franklins.net. And by Telerik RAD Controls, the most comprehensive suite of components for ASP.NET development, online at www.telerik.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers, online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man whose loaf is bigger than his bottle, never mind his cobblers, Carl Franklin. Thank you, thank you, and welcome to another stellar episode of .NET Rocks. This is your host, Carl Franklin, on the east coast of the United States of America. And my co-host on the other side of the world, Richard Campbell. How are you? Well, you may be on the right coast, but <laughs> we're on the west coast. Right. We're happier here. Things are good, man. I'm glad to be home. After the fishing trips and stuff, it's nice to just do a week of work for a change. The best fishing story I've ever heard. You, know, you enjoyed that, did you? On Mondays last week. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I I think I was just talking about this over lunch. I think I'll go again. It's just I'll do things a little differently next time. Maybe you should be in charge this time. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, if you haven't heard that, check out mondays.pop.com and listen to Richard's story. It's like the first story, I think. Yeah. Maybe after Jeff's rant, which was good, too. But anyway, yeah. we digress. This is not Mondays. This is .NET Rocks. Hey, I've been, uh, to to quote a... Uh, Richard phrase up to my ass in alligators all week, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have been. I've, I've been. Uh, you know, we're doing a lot of planning and logistics to announce this uh, .NET Rocks road trip, which we haven't even formally announced yet. But because uh, we don't really have a website yet, and uh, and still a couple of dates are still up in the air, so that's why we're we're uh, dragging our feet on it. But you can pretty much count on. Uh, coast to coast through the southern United States, down the eastern seaboard from Boston, down through Atlanta. We're going to go to Jacksonville, back up to Nashville, down over to Memphis, and uh, down then to Dallas, Houston, Austin, uh, Phoenix, and uh, San Fran. Uh, we're not going to Las Vegas. We're going to Las Vegas afterwards, right? You are. Yeah. Yeah, I am. And we'll see about that. So Dev Connections is the, that week. We're gonna. Uh, it's still up in the air what we're gonna do there. So anyway, that's gonna be October twelfth, ending at the launch on November seventh. We haven't again officially announced this with a you know with a website, but there's a lot of stuff that we're gonna be giving away and talking about. And uh, stay tuned for that. I guess that's all we can say right now, right? Right. All right, so it's mail time, and you know, is it me, Richard, or are the flames getting old now? I I think the flames are done. I've been called a Nazi a few times. It's uh, funny. I don't think there's anywhere to go from there. That's the great thing about once you pull up the Nazi card, you're finished. Yeah, they so really let's know let it go. Nowhere to go after. There's that. nowhere to go after that. <laughs> so I, yeah, they're kind of funny now. We had our fun, and okay, you can stop flaming us now. 
<laughs> okay. Unless it's really, really funny. Like, you know, Mark Miller funny. Otherwise, keep it yourself. Okay. So the mails, uh, we got some really good mail email this uh, last couple of weeks and some we've been holding out on. This one came from Stefan Platner, and the subject is .NET Oz. Dear Carl, dear Richard, first of all, please forgive my not-so-good and clumsy English, which, by the way, I thought his English was great. Yeah. Uh, I read and listen to a lot of English stuff, but I seldom have the chance to write long letters or emails in your language. I would have written a fan letter much earlier if my English skills were better. So I sit here and try my best. By the way, your show's... Besides of transporting technical content, represent good English lessons for nerds like me. Almost a year ago, I downloaded my first episode of .NET Rocks and soon became addicted to the show. It's professionally made, entertaining, interesting, regularly published, and free. So my wildest <laughs> dreams came true, and now I can use my commuting time in the car in the best way. I know that this is too boring to be read on your show, but... Nope, apparently not. Apparently not. But I only wrote this to fulfill an inner need to support you and your idea. I just wanted you to know that outside there, there are many people who appreciate all you do. Best wishes from the heart of Europe. Uh, one little complaint. Carl, come on, could you please train that word cost-effective in the sponsor section? In 99.9% .9 you say F cost-effective. Is this a special technique to burn that word into our brains? Um, I'm sorry, man. I'll bring that up with the writing committee. <laughs> uh, and then he has an asterisk here. Besides, I soon became addicted to the show. The asterisk says, which right now seems to be a trilogy in terms of co-hosting. There's also an analogy to the Wizard of Oz. I see you, Carl, as Dorothy. Mark oh, as boy. Yeah, great, huh? Just wait to <laughs> see me in ruby slippers. Mark is the Tin Man, Rory as a Scarecrow, and Richard as the Lion. I hope that the moment you have to close your eyes, clap the heels of your shoes, and return to Kansas is far in the future. <laughs> Thanks, Stefan. <laughs> and and, and Man. I, this one is perhaps uh, a little diversion. Uh, every once in a while, we see kind of funny things, geeky things on the Internet that people like to send us, and this is good. This is at shrinkster.com slash 72B, as in baby, and it's error messages in haiku. Imagine if instead of cryptic text strings, your computer produced error messages in haiku. Here's a few. A file that big? It might be very useful, but now it is gone. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> error messages. Yesterday it worked. Today it is not working. Windows is like that. <laughs> Couple more. Stay the patient course of little worth is your ire. The network is down. Three things are certain, death, taxes, and lost data. Guess which has occurred? <laughs> All right. I told you that story, Carl, of how I, I had a, a couple of ladies on, that were using a piece of software I'd written who complained about my very terse error messages. Ah, uh, yeah. And so I wrote out a dialogue box where I spoke to them very politely about how disappointed I was that I was back here again <laughs> and something terrible had happened to the software and... When they go get a pen and pencil and I'll wait for them, they can make these notes. And then if you push that button down there, I'm, I'm going to try again and it probably won't work. And I, and I feel bad about that. And if you push the other button, then this will go away and the program will go away. And I promise to wave. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This last one is great. This is uh, from Brian DeCroce. I hope I got that name pronounced right, Brian. And uh, the subject is, thank you for saving my marriage. <laughs> Bonjour, Carl and Richard. And I, don't, I can't remember if I read this one or not. You'll have to tell me. I want to thank you guys for protecting my marriage. I'm a 24-year-old software engineering student in Montreal, Canada. Hi, Richard again. And I used to have problems doing my part in the house cleaning and other chores in the house because of exams, studies, etc. until you guys came along. I got myself a made-in-eBay MP3 player, and I had no idea what to hear in it. So I plugged in one of your shows, N-Unit and Test Driven Talk. And I'm having a blast washing the dishes. Gloves? No gloves. I don't care. <laughs> Just don't talk to me because I'm laughing out loud and having a great time listening to your duo. And the sound room guy, Jeff is his name, I think. 
Whatever my wife asks me to do, no matter how busy I am and how disgusting the chore is, as long as I have this player in one of your shows to really focus on, I'm happy. Uh, on a final note, I was thinking if you guys would do a show about mock objects goes along with the uh, goes along the line with test driven development using some mocking tools like Pockmock, which is at www.prettyobjects.com, and Nmock. Anyways, I wanted to congratulate you for the show and wish you all the best. Really fun hearing you guys. Bonjour from Quebec. P.S. Our province now has a French version of .NET Rocks. Blah, blah, .NET. Dot com. That's B-L-A-B-L-A-D-O-T-N-E-T.com. The guy hosting the show is an MVP solutions architect, and it's basically you guys in French. We know. We had Mario down here uh, yeah. recording Mondays a couple weeks ago. Good friend of ours, and um, yeah, we wish them good luck. I find it very funny that our damaging our marriages is saving his. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we were just talking about that before we got online. That's right. All right. So I guess it's time to get down to business. Unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever you prefer. It's up to you. I'll leave the judgment call to you. Uh, we're going to be talking this hour with Richard Costell and Andy Brown. Richard Costell, and let me read your your uh, qualifications here, MCSD, MCAD, MCAD, MCSD.net, has over 17 years development experience and works for First Software a Microsoft Gold partner, and the UK's leading software solution for financial advisor and intermediaries, designing and implementing IFA applications in the financial services sector, previously specializing in VB, XML, XSLT, ASP, and MSMQ. Richard now lives and breathes the awesome world of .NET, and in particular ASP.NET, including 2.0. Richard is also the Midlands Regional Coordinator for VBUG, the Visual Basic Users Group, and spends a fair amount of his time organizing and presenting at meetings. And Andy Brown. Andy has spent the last 18 years in software development and project management with experience building a wide variety of systems for a variety of industries, with 10 of those years spent in the financial services industry. Andy is currently employed with FIRST as a software developer project leader, and is now leading a team in a second .NET smart client development. Welcome, guys. Hi, how are you doing? I just got one thing to say. It's all about the money. Isn't it? <laughs> it's all about the money. <laughs> now, but you guys aren't in the banking business. It's the financial advisement business, investing yeah. and that sort of thing. That's correct, yeah. Financial services. We found that sector to be very... Uh, to be an early embracer of .NET here in the States. Are you finding that to be true in general in the UK as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially with, uh, you know, uh, applications like Smart Client and mobile applications. Yeah. It's uh, the market for it. It's the proper, like, traveling salesman kind of scenario, isn't it? Well, Richard, I'm going to let you take the first crack at this. Just, to, you know, introduce uh, your your topics, what you want to talk about, and uh, tell us tell us about yourself a little. Anything we missed? Uh, no, I think the the intro just about covered uh, covered everything. Um, I've, from my point of view, I've been working and just deployed uh, an ASP.NET 2.0 extranet, which is now running live on our servers. Beautiful. Uh, that that was a really uh, really interesting project. We did it in beta one. We took the plunge. Uh, I convinced the management, and then we moved it to beta two, and uh, and now it's running live. And and the uh, the IFAs love it. Excellent. IFA, the... Yeah, Independent Financial Advisor. Okay. So intermediaries. So these guys are out in the field and they're remotely connecting to your app? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're only using it because um, the, the purpose is uh, is an extranet, so it's our client. So these are the IFAs who are, are logging on to the extranet to see correspondence we've had with them, um, sort of information about new releases, that uh, they can sort of record sort of forum entries. Hmm. Uh, and, and we've got some web parts running on the front page as well for good measure so they can put in their own RSS feeds uh, and configure it all. Sounds fabulous. What's the scope of this application? That I, I, I suppose you, both you guys are working on the same app? Is that no, it? no. This, this was just sort of my side. I'm more ASP.NET and, and okay. Andy's more the, the smart client sort of leader. Um 
so, so the scope of the extranet project was was to give our we, we had an old an extranet that was written in classic asp should okay. i call it classic yeah classic's good because <laughs> crappy old isn't polite <laughs> <laughs> Um, and and it, and it came around time that, that we needed to revamp it, and um, you know we, we could have done it in 1.1. 1. 1. Uh, beta one had just been released, and so I sort of went went to the management and said, look, I'd, let's take a punt on this. Let's go for for 2.0. Let's go for a beta. Yeah. Um, and they sort of said, convince us <laughs> that the uh, the risks are worth it. Uh, so. I knocked up a little demo using just web parts and said, look, in about sort of five lines of code, you can have this functionality on your on your front page of the extranet that all our clients are going to see. Yeah. And, and that just about sold it to them. So Wow. Fabulous. So, you, so you're, you are, are using this, uh, what's the uh, license that they're... Go Live? Go Live. Yeah, the Go, go Live license. Right. Yeah. And, and so you, you have a production server running beta 2, ASP.NET? That's, that's, that's correct, yeah. And you, no issues? No, um, we we haven't had to do sort of anything with it since um, May fifteenth when it went uh, when it went live. So uh, isn't that great? We had a lot of good feedback, especially about speed. That's amazing. Well, Andy, thanks for chiming in here. Let's let's hear your story. It's in my story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, obviously, we were an early adopter of .NET, yeah. and uh, more recently, it's been VB .NET. And we've been building uh, smart client applications for uh, the IFA, you know, the uh, financial advisor. And he goes out, he captures information from the client, he collects financial information, does quotes, you know, sells products, offers advice, and sends that information off back to his head office. Mm. And we initially built an application for a company called uh, MSN. Uh, I think we just had a a case study done on it from Microsoft, and that was in 1.1. Now, we've recently uh, taken it over to uh, Beta 2 and Mm 2.0, and we went over to the uh, compatibility labs in Redmond to actually see what kind of problems we'd experienced with our application over there. And, uh, you know, we can certainly uh, enlighten you as to what we found about, uh, about the process. Well, please do, yeah. <laughs> um, how complex is this app that you, you felt it needed compatibility evaluation? It's uh, How complex is it? Uh, how can you measure complexity? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Lines of code or, you know. Number of screens, number of users. Yeah, that's a good start. There are about 100 screens. Um, it's all written in VB.net. Yeah. It's what, 16 weeks from start to finish? Nice. By four people. Mm-hmm. So you're talking it was built very rapidly, and the client loves it. It's still out there. We're still issuing updates to it. This is the two, 2003, the 1.1 edition, right? Yeah, the 1.1 edition. The 2005 one we haven't yet released. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, it's still going in development because we're, doing, we're adding a lot more to it. And just to clarify, this is a smart client app, right? This is smart client. Yeah, yeah and, and the one that uh, Richard is talking about is is an ASP.NET. These are two different apps, or are they part of the same system? Yeah, no, they're, they're two, two, two different, different apps. apps. Okay. Two. For two different customers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. And we, we're actually rewrite, rewriting our core product as well in Beta 2. So we've like almost completely adopted 2005. Fabulous. And using it throughout our development process at the moment. It, yeah. it strikes me that you guys sound like you have a fairly close relationship with Microsoft. Yeah, I, th- I think um, on, on that um, part of part of my remit um, and responsibilities is actually to maintain that relationship, and it's almost like a, a role that's being um, engineered into our company where um, I sort of handle all all the relationship and the you know the adopters programs and almost evangelizing us to Microsoft really. Right. Yeah. It nearly ended early. It very nearly ended early in Redmond when <laughs> when we the the alleged Eric Rudder incident. <laughs> all right. Uh, you, apparently, you took all his fridge magnets. Uh, oh no, no, no. <laughs> uh, we, we were in the uh, shuttle bus from the hotel, and uh, and she got lost. Bless her. She went into the wrong building and tried to do a turn in the car park. Nearly took out two cars. 
And then um, this, while nearly. she was looking at the two cars that had just gone past her, she continued on driving and, and nearly hit Eric Rudder. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> 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 we, had, we had visions of being escorted off campus. <laughs> you, you know, it's been my rule to generally not bang into billionaires because they can mess with your life in ways you can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, well, it, was the, it was the useful comment I got from Richard. I think it was something like, hide. <laughs> <laughs> even though we weren't driving, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah it could have all ended early. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the woman who was driving the shuttle bus, she was about five foot nothing, and she'd got this, this great hotel shuttle bus that she had a cup of coffee that was probably as big as her. And it was all, <laughs> each time she lunged forward, it all sort of slopped over the front and the back, and you could just see it was just an accident waiting to happen, and it very nearly was. Oh, sounds like a <laughs> Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and uh, we were actually going to see a marketing guy, and uh, we turned up and told him, and he choked upon his coffee and spat it out across the corridor. <laughs> I normally try and tell the guys when they've actually got a drink in their hand. Yeah. <laughs> so so you're at the compatibility lab, and yep. uh, is this the same lab that we were talking, uh, the guys that we were talking to on .NET Rocks? The customer that was usability. Lab? That's a customer lab. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's building 20. It's the same building, but I think it gets used for various okay. stuff, doesn't it? Scott Guthrie's team use it quite a lot as well. Right, okay. It's a, a general purpose lab. Okay, and uh, and and it was a short trip that basically passed the tests, or is that what you're saying? Yeah, it was. A, it was. A, it's a four day uh, trip, and yeah. I think they they were asking for uh, more volunteers to go with their applications to do some more testing recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we went out there and we moved our application from one one to two zero uh, with the guy who helped us, which was uh, Rob Bilhamoza, mm-hmm. and. We discovered a couple of problems, but essentially we traced them back to um, perhaps not reading the help documents very carefully with okay. serialization. Oh, okay. Ah. But in all in all, it was very successful. We did manage to get our application over to 2.0 um, quite easily. So it was a very successful yeah. trip for us anyway. Tell, tell me a little bit about the sorts of technologies that you're using in the application. Um, you, you know, what is what is essentially some of the, the processes that go on there? Right. Okay. Then in the smart client application. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, some of the things that we're using, uh, you've already you've talked about them on your show before, are the uh, Microsoft application blocks. Okay. So on the, we do make a lot of use of them. And obviously when the advisor has collected all the information from the client, and he's collected it onto his system. Then we we used to do an automatic kind of test for a network and then send off the information. But then we did kind of realize that maybe the advisor shouldn't be using the customer's Wi-Fi network necessarily mm. to do this. Mm. Um, so we put more control in that. And then he actually calls a web service to the head office and posts the information back. Call, post the, his network information? No, no, the, no, the information as in um, a case. So if you're going to um, source, say, a mortgage, so if you go to your financial advisor to find out about a mortgage, okay. there, there's a list of procedures you have to go to um, to make sure there's no kind of mis-selling going on. Okay. And, um, once, and that could be gathering evidence like um, a copy of a driver's license um, and a load of checks and all this information as well as the fact find where you gather all the information, it, it all gets bundled up. And that that is considered then um, a case, which which is what would be sent up to the the head office okay. for them to kind of um, authenticate that this is this is valid and you've not sort of sold the wrong type of mortgage. And and you're doing a serialization of that data as XML, possibly. Yes, yeah, it's all being serialized as XML, encrypted, and sent off to the head office. Yes, and they they unpack it, load it up. And, and make sure you've done everything correctly. Hey, here's something that I want to talk about. So you've heard, you obviously guys listen to the show, right? Yeah. And we've yeah. talked to quite a bit about web services and, you know, WSE2 and encryption and stuff, you know, with Michelle and other people. Um, what yeah. are you guys doing for, for web service data-based encryption? Well, initially, we were using, uh, we're using certificates, so we're using... Uh, for you know, verifying who you're talking to. 
but the encryption is really done by ourselves. We actually encrypt our own packets and documents and send them off. All right. And you're not using these web services then to uh, extend with business partners and things. This is all just in for internal connectivity? This bit is, is purely and simply for internal connectivity. Yeah. Um, we do use web services with partners for things like if you're actually online and you want to go and source a quote, for example. Yeah. If you want to go get a quote or you want to uh, go get a valuation or whatever, anything like this, then obviously you can do it through right through the web services that we do support. But just simply sending the information back, that's the process we use, at least for the the uh, uh, that in the first version of our uh, smart client app. See, this is what I'm seeing too, Richard. And I don't know if you are, um, Richard. No, I, I, I'm I'm with you totally, Richard Campbell. I'm seeing I'm seeing more people using web services because they're an easy way to communicate data, you know, in inside the firewall and within the company, within the application. Forget about you know partnering with with the rest of the world. Well, the problem even when you get to partnering with the rest of the world is so few people are using these technologies, the chances of two of them actually meeting up is still pretty remote. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, the, the salient point is why would you jump through these hoops when you're controlling both ends of the connection? Right. That's right. And uh, and you're quite right. Although we do talk to web services to a lot of our other partners, and yeah. an awful lot of them um, yeah. aren't even using them at the moment. Aren't using web services. Yeah, I don't use web services, so we find we're having to use other methods like um, pumping data through um, websites in order to right. get information back. Any EDI hooks still out there? Uh, I'll pass you over to Richard. That's one. <laughs> yeah. Well, we haven't um, we haven't come across them in in the stuff we're doing at the moment, um, but but they do sort of pass pipe delimited <laughs> um, sort of streams back to to a web page, which we then sort of process and do things with. Yeah. And it's still, do you still find, for the most part, this is customer by customer or vendor by vendor kind of work, you know, working out what these guys need? Yeah. So in in the um, the sort the, the smart client app that Andy was talking about, when you do the mortgage, you can actually source it, and and that means to go off and call. And we we have four third party applications that I had the job of sort of integrating to, and that and. These are all sort of sourcing tools, so they became known as the the four sources of the apocalypse. (laughs) 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 And and each each one, basically, I had to get from our uh, sort of native data set into their format. And so uh, I was sort of writing XSL transformations and either calling Xs or navigating to web pages and and doing all sorts of scary things on on a process. Yeah. But the point is that the IFA, this is all invisible to them now. They can say, send us off to all four horsemen, and you do the work to go get that data. Um, your data structures, are they defined in your Azimex, uh, in your web services, or are they you know, X- XML or data sets, or what do, what do your data structures look like? Um, the, the primary data structures are data sets, because it's, it's, again, it's just ease. Yeah. You just bang a data set, data set off and just it, pick it up the other end and suck it in. Integration with the rest of .NET. Yeah, yeah because we're controlling both ends. Right. Hmm. The um, the problem, though, we do, we are finding is that, and we are moving on to the, the next version at the moment, is now we're, we're now abstracting all of these different interfaces behind a portal. So we can control the um, the interface between the third parties, if you like, through an intermediate kind of staging portal, yeah. which we call first services. But because uh, quite often you find that the uh, your partner will will change a whole load of things and not actually tell you, right? Mm. Yeah, and then I've been there. Yeah. And suddenly things stop happened, working. Man. So yeah, and you don't want to have to roll that out to all the IFAs, so you keep it behind and do it yourself. Yeah. So yeah, we we actually control the link to the IFAs, and we publish a standard link to all our. Uh, our software. Cool. Oh, well, that's certainly the plan. <laughs> yeah, and that's the other way. Because as you can imagine, that uh, and it does happen this quite a lot with with one particular uh, partner that they do tend to to change things and not actually tell anybody. And are all surprised that you're surprised. Yes. <laughs> and guess who gets all the phone calls? <laughs> yeah. Andy, did you have any problems selling smart clients as a as the way to go? No, no. In fact, it's been an absolute boon 
it seems to be what everyone really wants yeah. is to actually go in, um, not be able to actually talk to anything, just go in, collect all the information, and then just go and sync when they can. Yeah. Yeah, when it suits them. Yeah. And all these guys are using PCs, right? This is not smart client on a, on a cell phone or anything. No, this is, this is smart client on like a, a notebook or, a, or even a tablet. Yeah. You know, they could, it's, we could even put it on a tablet for you, and uh, I don't know if you can go. You could probably, without too much, if you've done a good N-tier technology mm. uh, development architecture, you, you could probably uh, go, go to a, uh, you know, a PDA if you needed to. Yeah, strange you should mention that as well. I mean, I've actually done some work with PDAs. Uh-huh. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's, again, it's more like, you know, it's capturing data from the client and sending it back to the head office. Yeah. They, these things aren't, like, bi-directional. Yeah. Uh, again, we're moving on, and we're, we're looking at uh, getting a bi-directional feed, mm-hmm. but not using web services. Yeah. Um, uh, so... Moving on to the next stage, you've got to think that, hold on, if we, if we do need to be able to you know, replicate data between the, the smart client and the, uh, the head office, we, we are looking at things like um, SQL replication yeah. as an easier method. Sure. Especially if you've got, you know, you've got master-master replication problems. Well, if you have two masters, you're always going to have replication problems. Yeah. Which, um, it's a good thing getting the smart client out there, but once it's out there, people just seem to want more and more from it. Yeah. Now, well, what, the, you know, the worst outcome for software is nobody uses it. So <laughs> the fact that they're demanding it generally means you must be doing something right. <laughs> well, so far, it's been very, very successful and, uh, uh, and very easy, uh, given all the help that we've had from, from Microsoft and, and all their application blocks. to the show, you've heard me talk about ASP.NET tools from Telerik at T-E-L-E-R-I-K dot com. They've recently released a new version of their RAD control suite, Q3 2005, and I'd like to tell you about it. Telerik RAD control suite is the most innovative and comprehensive tool set for ASP.NET development, allowing professionals to build web solutions with the UI richness and responsiveness of desktop applications. The latest milestone release, Q3 2005, is the first on the market to bring full XHTML 1.1 and accessibility compliance with WCAG Level A and Section 508, thus enabling developers to build standards-compliant web applications easier and faster than ever. Added to this are key updates to four of Telerik's most popular products, RAD Editor, RAD Grid, RAD Tree View, and RAD Rotator. RAD Controls is also available with an annual subscription option for all updates and new components added to the suite within a year of your purchase. Hey, did you know the .NET Rocks website was done with the Telerik menu? That's right, if you use the menu on the left-hand side, you're using Telerik's products. So go check them out at www.telerik.com. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about how you got involved with Microsoft. Were you in the Ascend program or the TAP program to get involved with in Beta 1 to get a go-live license and all those sorts of things and the training? Yeah, involved? we were involved with the Ascend program. And, uh, and this is where a lot of the Beta 2 work comes in. But we've also done a lot of work ourselves outside, like uh, with the tablet PCs. And we've entered things like tablet PC competitions and so on. Uh, I think we made it to the top 10 in the U.K., tablet ISV competition. Wow. Neat. So, we, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the thing with Microsoft is that there's such a big organization, and, and that's even in, in the UK, that you have to sort of 
ram home the same message to more than one person. So from marketing or from the, the evangelist team or, or other areas, you have to kind of keep sort of waving your flag to say, say we're here. And we want to do this. Yeah. And at the same time, you're, you're inside your organization, you're talking to your bosses saying, we want to do this. That's right, yeah. I mean, we've been waving the, the .NET flag because we, we have got a core product that was written in VB6, and it's sort of 10, 11 years old now. Um, and, and this, for us, the, the smart client route and building a framework uh, which the smart client sits on was our, our route from sort of the VB6 world to the .NET world. Um, and, and running along in parallel is sort of getting onto the Ascend programs and, and sort of getting recognized and, and also delivering stuff from that because part of the Ascend program is actually to have some deliverables, which... Uh... Yeah, I mean, Microsoft puts this program together because they really do want to see apps built in the new platform. Well, we should That's talk right. about the Ascend program. We haven't even... We, I don't think we've ever talked about it on this no, show. No, no, and I think it's a great topic. Yeah. Why don't, why don't you take it, Richard Campbell? Well... Uh, I want to hear from you guys because, of course, as regional directors, we have access to a lot of these things, and I'm curious to see how you went about getting into the program your way. Yeah, you know what happened? How did you How did you find out about Ascend, and how did you get started in it? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm trying to think back now to what our first Ascend um, thing was, um, and it, it was probably Visual Studio. I'd, I'd have thought 2005. So. Um, we, we we had a good relationship. As I say, sort of with with my role, um, also go through through VBug and Visual Basic User Group, and you, you start to sort of make different routes into Microsoft, and they come and talk at your meetings, and you go to conferences, and you go and introduce yourself, and and it's all about that building that relationship, and then. Um, as, as you sort of promote yourself, they'll say, oh, well, you know, we've got this new stuff coming along that's saying it's, we've just got this Ascend program coming up. Um, would you like to be a part of it? And uh, that's kind of, I think that's kind of how we got started with it. And since then, um, we're also a, a managed account through Microsoft. So, so they, they actually email us now and say, we've got, say, an Indigo Ascend program. Do you want to come and do something on it? And, and that's a great position to be in now. Yeah, it is very nice. And they're coming to you. So are you guys actually user group leaders? Um, I'm my, me personally. Yes, I'm 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 the a regional coordinator for for the for the for the bug in the UK. So uh, I've been doing that for about five years. So I'm kind of an evangelist by night and weekends. So <laughs> doing some of the presenting yourself, then also, of course, you're dealing with the Microsoft local office, who will provide you some speakers and some swag and things like that. No, that's that's exactly correct. We have sort of meetings once a month. Um, I, I I did actually present at the last meeting we had. Um, and, and we also get sort of MVPs and Microsoft people, and INETA also help us by providing sort of books to give away and uh, all those kind of things. So, so yeah, um, and that helps. That helps to build the relationship in many right. directions. Hey, I hate to bring the conversation backwards, but can, can one of you guys just define the Ascend program for the listeners? Because we never talked about it before. What is it? I, I, I think Richard um, got it sort of a exactly right really is it's sort of program for um to help microsoft get people to adopt new technologies uh and deliver on it with i normally have sort of 120 days after the product's release that you kind of agree to launch something by okay but they also provide a training for you too right that's correct yeah you get training and consultancy hours and uh, and help and sort of downloads and things okay very cool. I mean, the the Ascend, is it Ascend program manager? Is it much much older than Greeny? I mean, he's he's been a fantastic help for us as well. And uh, the whole Ascend program with the the, the training has has been uh, fantastic. That's great. So so it's sort of like a two way street. Microsoft helps you uh, get your product out the door, and then they get a case study and a showcase out of it. Yeah, that... That, that that's exactly it in the life cycle. So with, with the extranet, it was. Um, the, the Ascend program was was the way we started the extranet. We built the extranet, and um, we sort of we showed it to the, the product team, and then also the, the case study that's under go with that now. So uh, yeah, it kind of we we feed off them, they feed off us. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, but I think one of the key parts of this whole thing, and I know the listening audience is very concerned about this, is how this all gets started, and you know, running working with a user group, participating, gets you that initial relationship with Microsoft. 
yeah. through their DEs and so forth, and you can get to know them and tell them what you're up to. And they're looking for good people. They're looking for people building software that have some support for new things and want to build this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, yeah, that's it. And and it's also a relationship with the the more you put in, the more you get out. Absolutely. You know, you, you've got to put the effort in to to get the rewards. Hey, uh, can let me ask you another question about this Smart Client app because I'm interested in the technology as much as uh, as anything else. The uh, yep. are, what are you guys doing for authentication? Are you doing client based or server based? What are you doing to authenticate users? Or are you just using Windows authentication, just letting the the operating system do it? Uh, do you mean for the Smart Client app? Yeah. Um, we are using the Windows authentication. And we verify that against the security database, uh, as well as very obviously verifying it. So there's no extra logging in after. No, no, okay. no. There's no extra logging in or anything there. Well, that's good. That's so efficient. it's all integrated. Well, there is a, there is another process involved as well. Okay. Because obviously, when you've got your smart client, you, know, you need to register with the head office. Yeah. So you kind of get a, a second, uh, you know, a hidden user identification, if you like. A GUID. Yes. <laughs> as well as a company identification, database identification, various other bits and pieces. That So when you actually do send your stuff off, then they, the system can obviously recognize who you are and that you're actually sending it to the right head office. For cool. Now, the, I mean, these IFAs, are, are they really independent or do they work for first? Oh, they're really, really independent. And they can be, when you say IFAs, it makes it sound like it's a, a, a single person, but these companies can be very large. Right. Um, you could have, like, a large bank have hundreds of um, financial advisors working for it. Right. And and first is only one of the resources that these guys have available to them. Yeah. First, first is is only one of the resources that they have available to them. Um, if you certainly if you're a larger company, yes. But for the smaller companies, then then first itself can. And if you're only like specialising in things like mortgages, so then right. can generally fulfil most of the needs. Though. Obviously, we do talk to other business partners, and uh, the more business partners you have. But I'm thinking about this from a technical point of view. You don't necessarily have control over their machines or their networks, what other software is installed mm. there, mm. or even exactly who's using it. Oh, right. So, yeah, we, we sell the, 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 you know, the smart client app and the head right. office system. Yeah, so they don't generally generally talk to us and send their information to us. Do, do you do they, any kind of software updating? Oh, and that, yeah, yes, we use the uh, for the one point one version. We use the uh, application updater block. The first one or the second one? There's the, that. Well, we've kind of we kind of uh, uh, adapted it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you do have the source. You can do what you want to right. it, right? Yeah, we we did find that uh, we needed to do certain things to 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 get it to function how we really needed it to function. Well, fair enough. So um, we actually do ship updates and have been shipping updates for the best part of a year, and it's it's all been going really smoothly. Do you mind if I ask what sort of mods you made? Mods, all sorts, to like um, adding more questions. Yeah, more data. Yeah, actually, yeah, physically changing database tables as well. Uh. Um, I think every kind of modification you could almost think of, huh. even changing the app config to some degree. Yeah. Hmm. So now you've really made the block your own. It's not. It's not Microsoft's block at all anymore. I would say it's ninety ninety percent Microsoft's block, <laughs> 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 and ten percent ours. Right. In this instance, but uh, uh, we are looking at uh, one touch deployment for 2005. All right, so I want to ask you guys this, and then we'll th I want to talk a little bit about the ASP.NET app, Richard. Yeah, um, sure. What what was the biggest challenge when you were developing this .NET, the first .NET version? Was it <laughs> learning the architecture of .NET and like you know best practices? Was that the biggest challenge? Was it the technology itself? Memory management, I mean, pick. The biggest challenge, I think, with, was, wasn't necessarily, it was very hard, actually, to get it, to deliver it to the timescale, because it was like a, a compliance timescale. Right. So actually getting that amount done with only four people in 16 weeks was a tremendous challenge. Yeah, yeah I can see that. The, the, the challenge at the moment is, is figuring out why, why perhaps something is,
connecting or working on somebody's machine, you know, hundreds of miles away. Mm. And looking at uh, possibly, you know, for example, oh, we can't find our server anymore. So it's generally the support angle is is the, the challenging aspect at the moment. Yeah. Um, and we actually, we're using a, a desktop streaming tool now, so we can actually um, log on to people's machines through, uh, and all they need is Internet Explorer on their machine, and we can talk to them. Well, you didn't have any issues, um, you know, uh, learning .NET from VB6, you know, making that jump? Uh, not really. Um, I think because most of the people here, um, their background isn't just VB6. Yeah. And so uh-huh. it was uh, very much... Uh, the, the concepts in VB.NET are very similar to, to some of the other languages that we've used before. Yeah. Um we are uh, certain individuals were were picked rather than others, I suppose, because of the skills they had at that time, mm-hmm. and whether they were obviously what work they had on at that time as well. Um, we were also both, uh, I suppose, very enthusiastic about the technology. So I know Richard. Uh, Richard went and took all the beaters of all the exams, and, <laughs> and uh, got his MCSD. I think it was about first in the country, or one of the first. Wow. So you've got that kind of enthusiasm. and when you it Sounds like you guys were doing a fair bit of learning on your own time as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But when you've got that kind of enthusiasm in your team, it's, it's fantastic. A guy in the chat room said, yeah, try moving from COBOL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I've touched nearly every language on the planet, oh, apart uh, from COBOL. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a happier person because of it. Yeah, I don't know whether I've been lucky or... <laughs> 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 or whatever, but it's not. It's not. It's, it's the, one of the few languages I've never really touched. Even working for a COBOL software house, <laughs> college. That's the only time I did COBOL. <laughs> so, okay. Is there anything else that you want to uh, add about the uh, smart client app before we talk about the website? Um, I mean, a lot of people do come up. We do do presentations, and a lot of people do come up and ask. You know, what's been your what's your experience been, and so on, and then um, I'll be happy to talk to anybody who wanted to to listen. Great, if they wanted to get in contact and and ask any questions. All right, good. And uh, if you get any stories out of that, you let us know. Yeah, we'll do. All right, save Richards. my marriage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apparently that's the case. So, Richard uh, Costell, what's uh, let, let's talk a little bit about this ASP.NET app that you've written. It, it, it has been operating as a 1.1 page for uh, or a site for a, a while, and then you ported it to uh, beta two. No, no, it was actually um, a complete from the ground up um, fresh write of uh, in, in 2.0. Oh, oh, okay, I missed that. So you didn't even attempt to migrate; you just wrote it from scratch. No, well, the, well, the the old extranet was but it was um, classic ASP, so there there was no um, even thought of attempting to migrate from from that technology. Right. And, and plus, having seen and, and got a good feel of the functionality in two point you know, you'd be kind of crazy to to try and adopt anything. Yeah, different way of working. So, is the look and feel of this website very much interactive in the way that ASP.NET sites? Uh, tend to be, you know, sort of a lot of controls on the page interacting with different controls? Or is it a store, standard sort of fill out the form, press the button, go to the next form thing? Um, yeah, it's, it's probably a, a cross between the two, really. I mean, you know, we use Postback. Um, there's a lot, lot of things sort of going on on the same page. So we've got a content management system um, that we wrote in-house uh, ourselves as well. Oh, cool. Um, that does sort of XSL transformations to get the, the HTML output. Um, so yeah, a bit of each really, but we've got all the the interactivity of the web parts on the on the front screen. Okay, and using uh, style sheets for the presentation. Yeah, yeah. There, there's um, lots of sort of CSS files in there, which <laughs> are sure, very interesting. So not a lot of UI design in Visual Studio then. Um, no, not massive. You know, we 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 did use. Um, we did use it for the, for the controls and things, but sometimes, um, having done a lot lot with um, with HTML in the past, it's sometimes easier to drop drop down to Notepad and then come back. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that is one of the 
probably, if I had to sort of pick one area that the, the CSS experience, and that is probably the weakest part. But having said that, you know, it's I'm not I'm not going to put that product ASP.NET two down at all, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not it's just not what the strength of the product yeah. is. Yeah, I think we're still struggling for good tools. Yeah. Yes. But, but but what is great is something like, say, the logging control, where you drop it on but decide you don't quite want that uh, that format and you can just right-click and say convert to template and it just dumps the HTML, HTML out for you. Yeah. And then you can basically go and sort of substitute your bits around in a, in a very quick turnaround. It's kind of that model versus the loads and loads of properties. Uh, and I think yeah. I prefer the sort of right-click, give me a template, please, and I'll just change my change my HTML. Right. We've uh, talked on the show to Rob Howard and Scott Guthrie yeah. about the provider model in yeah. ASP.NET 2.0. Have you guys yeah. taken advantage of that to uh, sort of do any customization? <laughs> well, yeah. when, he, when he says we, we, we started from scratch, he's kind of like uh, missing out the fact that we started the old database to talk to. <laughs> oh, right, okay. right. That, that, that was it. So it's, here's, the, here's the provider model. Great. You know, we can save all these lines of code. And then said, oh, yeah, but we've got this first services portal and we've already got the concept of users um, and, and their information. So, okay, um, go, go off Rich and, uh, <laughs> and, and sort of fit them together. And, and, and I think um, Richard uh, said a, a really key point a few weeks back when it was basically a lot of technology it's either all or nothing if it doesn't quite fit you can't use it right um and then with the provider model basically turning it on its head and yep. saying i'll give you the code i want you to run <laughs> um and basically you just run that for me so we wrote our own um membership uh profile personalization and roles providers really yeah even considering the new ones in beta 2 yes i mean sorry we, we use the provider model Yes. And we basically, you know, created our own because we already had a database that was in a completely different format to right. the, the right. standard one. So we couldn't. So rather than try and restructure your data to the, the their format, you just use the provider model to hook up your old data structure. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's, well, I won't, I won't say trivial because that's not fair, but it is a very, it's a small task. It's not, it's not that difficult to, uh, to, to write your own providers. I think the nice thing about the provider model is that it, it leads you down the path. Here are all the things you need to do. They may not be simple things, but there's no unknowns. That's right, yeah. Here's, here's all, the, all the methods you need to do. And, and, and there, there was only one point when I got, and documentation was very sparse at the time, and there's only one point I got sort of a bit bogged down or stuck. And basically, you know, you fire up Reflector and you're, you're back on track again. <laughs> right. And, you know, Richard Costell, I think the, the thing that you said where you said it's basically taking this all-or-nothing approach that we've had to deal with these so many years yeah. and turning it on its head. That yeah. that really struck uh, home with me as a, a very important little piece of a uh, little tidbit. If there's a tidbit of this show, yeah. you know, like a fundamental piece of information that you should pay attention to, listeners, that's it. Because that, that totally changes your whole approach to problem solving, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can start to, when you look at that, and then when you start to write applications, you also try and think the same way. The, the provider model kind of sets the benchmark on how you ought to be architecting applications when you may need to extend them in, in the future. And I think it works really well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's huge. It's this idea of really thinking through an interface, knowing you can always swap out the code if you have to. That's right. Yeah. And at what level do you want to swap? Yeah, mm. and then, making that interface agnostic enough that you you know it's going to be able to tolerate the changes. Yeah, and the amount of effort the team must have put in to sort of come up with those ideas and, you know, the overhead of building it must have been quite quite amazing. I think they've done a fantastic job with that. Yeah, thinking of it the first time was the hard part. All of us have got it easy now. Yeah. Yeah, let, you know, it's the sort of let's make it generic, but we need to get it out the door by a certain date. <laughs> right. And to achieve both of those goals is uh, is brilliant. So, uh, and, and we've already established the fact that this thing's been running for a long time, and on the beta software without any sort of uh, without any sort of uh, attention that needs to be paid for it. What are you've obviously had experience with ASP.NET one point one, right? Yeah. So what are some of the things that you would not have been able to do or you probably wouldn't have approached the same way in ASP.NET 1.0, but because it's ASP.NET 2.0 and you had tool X, 
than you decided to do with that to use or you know lean on that particular technology. I think the 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 obvious sort of quick win there was the um, was the web parts. Yeah. Um, where, where basically you know you can it's it's nearly all a drag and drop experience. You just create your controls, drag them into the areas, and and I think you know you you will actually write about four or five lines of code, and and that's your lot, and you've got an incredible amount of functionality. Um, with web parts, um, re- yeah, really just a, a user configurable front page. So on our on our front page of the extranet, we'll have um, 30 diary entries or a configurable number of diary entries. We'll have forum entries. We'll have latest first news and um, the last poll um, that you can vote on. Um, you can put your own RSS feeds in, and there's an area of content. And basically, the user can just move them around and say, "I don't want the the content. I want my diary entries at the top. I want the to get rid of this, and I want two two RSS feeds on my front page." Yeah. And and you know it just saves it all and persists it all, and uh, for next time when they log in. So and and people like that because it, it just shows you know a lot of investment back that the client sees a lot of benefit from. Okay. Um, are you taking advantage of any of the sort of drag and drop features of Visual Studio, or are you doing most most of your work in uh, in Notepad? Yeah, well, I mean, we use sort of drag and drop for sort of building all the forms. So we'll um, we'll do most of the uh, most of the development happens within Visual Studio. It's um, it's just really areas when you have to get. And um, pixels left and right, and graphics lined up, yeah, and, yeah. and those little fiddly bits. Right. <laughs> the, the the designer, because the designer will go off and create a really unfriendly development <laughs> um, HTML page, and you've got to basically make that work, and that can take ages, especially if you're running it on, say, virtual PC. And you're finding that you're fitting your uh, form bits to their style sheets, not the other way around. You're not giving them generic forms and then saying, make this pretty. No, we're, we're kind of sort of saying, um, go, yeah, go and design how you think this ought to lay out, and then we'll we'll make it work. I just find that, that the designers can do more damage to code than code people can do to design. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although I'm sure I could find a designer who'd say the opposite. <laughs> it's very difficult, you know, when you're, when you're not both using the same tool set and you don't have stuff that's compatible, you end up having to drop down out of Visual Studio or... Or worse, mm. front well, page. I think the real pain is the next round trip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is that, is that working version going back to the art people for mangling? That's right. <laughs> yeah, what we also found as well, it, we we were we did start off doing things in virtual PC, um, and and it was say on the system drive as well, or, or it wasn't on a separate disk, so it was chugging along, and and if the the cycle of uh, make a change and rebuild it and, and rerun it again. Ended up taking quite a long while just to move a pixel, you know, three to the left or something. Yeah. So what's next for you guys? <laughs> are you just going to wait until the new version ships, or are you getting you playing with the new CTPs? I, I think uh, the the extranet will stay on beta two. Um, better, better the sort of the devil we know. We know exactly that they're tested a lot better than the uh, the CTPs are. Definitely, uh, yeah. It, it does everything we want, and uh, we'll just wait until the release and then just sort of whack it across. Um, for for me now, that that project's kind of it, it's still sort of ongoing. We're we're making little changes to it every so often, um, but I'm now sort of moving into to help Andy building our sort of. Well, we're working on the smart client up in in 2.0 now, and uh, so that's all VS 2005. All good fun. I, I guess the, the really next thing we're, we're looking at for um, communication is Indigo. Yeah, I was going to suggest that. I mean, I was going to bring that up because you said you're looking at two-way communication now. And yeah, uh, it's uh, we actually uh, went on a well, we went what, for five days with uh, uh, a guy. Is it Craig McMurty? Uh, and came over and took us through Indigo. And uh, we we got a lot of appreciation out of that. That was the Ascend program as well, by the mm. way. Right. Mm. Uh, so you know, I'll plug it again there. But um, we we are going to uh, have a look at and uh, and see what it can uh, do for us. Yeah. And uh, the user group, uh, Richard, is it? Yeah, you're, sure. You're, yeah. You're involved in Vbug. 
Yeah. Uh, I just got an email and an invite to speak. Are you guys putting together a, a conference in November? Yes, we are. Yeah, yeah, the V-Book conference. Um, I think it's 23rd, 24th of November. We're just sort of getting it sort of provisionally together. But yeah, well, if you if you want to come over and uh, <laughs> do a tour, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it had to be on Thanksgiving, you know. I mean, Oh, it... yes, it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not Thanksgiving in Canada that week. <laughs> And how much um, in how many how many users are there in your user group? How many members? Um, v Vbug's got something like uh, around twelve hundred members. Um, my, my sort of region, there's about um, one hundred and thirty ish, of which we we get a turnout of between um, twenty five to fifty five on a, each month. Okay. That sounds so it's good. Quite, it's quite a good turnout. And when we do try to get, you know, sort of the, the MVPs and the uh, the good, you know, and the Microsoft people, the good speakers to come and talk because people are giving up evenings to, to sort of come over to the Coventry Flying Club right. uh, and, and basically uh, watch the 757s take off from about <laughs> 150 yards behind us uh, and, and listen to talks on ASP.net and ADO.net and all those kind of topics. All right, so I got a different question that I normally ask the guests at the end of the show. Usually I ask, what's the coolest thing you downloaded lately? And you can answer that question if you want. But another question I want is, you know, I'm I'm a Yank, and I'm coming over to London, and, uh, you know, I've heard good things about your fish and chips. <laughs> where where do I go to get the the stuff, you know, in newspaper with the malt vinegar, but that isn't going to be like the tourist place, you know, overpriced yeah. and... I um I've been sort of on holiday this week and I, I went off to uh, to Great Yarmouth for for three days, which is a typical British kind of seaside resort. And we had loads of fish and chips and ice creams, sun right. and donuts and fair rides, and my kids awesome. did some stuff as well. <laughs> um, but uh, you know that was that was great fun. But yeah, lots of fish and chips there. But where would you where would you go? I don't know. Probably probably the more the back street fish and chip shops as opposed to the sort of big well known ones. And where can you name one of them? Uh, not not in London area. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in London, you're pretty much, you're getting the um, we're, we're about a hundred plus miles away from London, so we're uh, we we don't go there a lot. All right. Well, um, then, in that case, what's the coolest thing you downloaded lately? Who's <laughs> 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 going first? Andy can go first. <laughs> um. Because I've just been holiday for two weeks, so how can I guess my mind? Both of you been off on holiday. <laughs> I don't know. I sometimes read that it Scott Hanselman's blog, and he has like these list of cool tools. Yes. And I guess right. I guess the one they have downloaded and used a lot is Notepad Two. Right. Mm. Notepad Two. Um, the spot the web guy needs a good notepad. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Notepad 2 actually that, that what is that's it? the one. What is Mind Notepad 2? I've also been looking you guys up, and I've been looking at uh, Virtual Earth. All right. Ah. www.virtualearth.com. Uh, yeah, State Street, New London. Ah. All right, got you on the map. <laughs> yeah, but the one thing that you don't know is that's from the Kennedy administration, that picture. Right. Really? It's a very old picture. Yeah. It looks old. <laughs> Well, and if using virtual Earth, uh, Vancouver doesn't get much below the resolution of a street map. You don't get any photos at all. Well, it should say the UK. It's just a green blob and stays a green blob. (laughs) 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 No matter what resolution you're at. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. You guys uh, got any last-minute words of advice or wisdom Um, to... uh... It it seems somebody's just said a chip shop in Nuneaton won this year's number one chip shop award, so that'll be really interesting. We'll we'll have to go and check that one out. Yeah, Um, that's just around the corner. My my download, I was just thinking, I'm not sure whether it's a download, but technically it would count, is is the Disney Virtual Magic Kingdom. It's like an online chat room. Uh, I saw this on your blog. It's absolutely amazing because it it just shows what you can do with a really powerful um, front end sitting on some sort of server-based database application you can uh you can play many games you can walk around you can chat to people you can build and furnish your own rooms uh you just have to avoid endless 13 year old girls asking you if you'd be their virtual boy boyfriend or whatever. <laughs> 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 which does get a bit uh, monotonous after about 
five minutes. Um, but it, and, and it's beta, so I'm not sure what uh, something seems to attract me to that. But it's it's a great, great bit of sort of software. Really shows off what can be done in the web world. Very cool. Yeah. Besides, if you, if you do come over, you know we've got some fridge magnets for you. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about useless crap. <laughs> my daughter collects those, you know. I think, I think my suitcase is still stuck to the carousel because of the, the number of magnets just stuck it to the actual travelator. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one other thing I would mention is also the ISV buddy. You did you have mentioned that in the past. But that's also another great program where it links up an ISV um, with a Microsoft employee. And um, I, I actually um, sort of cheekily, uh, on my third buddy, got, got somebody in the ASP.NET product team. And uh, that, that really helped with developing the extranet. Richard Costell and Andy Brown, thank you very much for joining us on .NET Rocks. And, uh, hey, maybe we'll see you in, uh, in, in England in November for your conference. You never know. It's on Thanksgiving, but... I might just be able to convince the fam to go. Yeah, look forward to it. All right. On behalf of myself, my co-host, Richard Campbell out there in Vancouver, British Columbia, Jeff Maciolik in the sound room doing the editing and recording tonight, and my guests, Richard Costell and Andy Brown from the UK. Thanks for listening to .NET Rocks. Have a great week. Have a safe week. And, hey, when you're fiddling with your iPod, just make sure you got one eye on the road. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. .NET Rocks can be found online at www.dotnetrocks.com and at msdn.microsoft.com slash dotnetrocks. .NET Rocks is edited each week by Jeff Maciolik, that's me, and Carl Franklin, who is also executive producer. All music heard on .NET Rocks, including Toy Boy, the theme song, is created and produced by Carl Franklin and Franklin Brothers Band. Carl never sleeps. .NET Rocks is produced for Franklin's Net by Plop Productions, providing professional audio and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. Plop, it's time to get your impact back. Toy Boy! Life is hard, baby.